0: So fast, the days of youth just never last. Spread the news. Vongo Caravella Blues. You just pay your dues. Vongo Caravella Blues. Podcasting from a town called Manalapan, New Jersey. This is. That Oneness Guy, a podcast covering the many aspects and elements that embody oneness. I am your host, Danny Rongo. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. As an author, a playwright, singer, songwriter, and activist, I am spreading my message of oneness basically to anyone who will listen. First as always, for those who are not aware, my book, the book that these podcasts derive from is I Am God, and So Are You, My Friend. A Common Man's Guide to Oneness is now available everywhere with thanks to my publisher Balboa Press which is a division of the world leader in spirituality publications Hay House Incorporated. It comes in hardcover, paperback and ebook formats and is now available globally via all of your major retailers like amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com or visit the website for my book which is www.iamgodbook.com. Dot com. So let's get into podcasting again. You're listening to episode number 10, Religion, Spirituality, Where Does Oneness Fit In? So first, as always, I'd like to introduce you to the track you just heard for today's introduction. That was a song featured on my CD, One Bass, One Voice, Simply One Song. It's a song about my childhood and the group of friends that me and my brother grew up with. It's called Rongo Caravella Blues. We were the Rongos, obviously, and then there were the Caravellas, and also our friends, the Blues. So, because of the Blues, it quite naturally led me to write a Blues song, but it really represents times that I'll never forget. And as you know, this and all of my music can be found either on my website, which is DannyRango.com iTunes, Amazon, or any of your favorite downloading sites. And uh, if you like that track, I'll also close out this episode with another section of that song. So for those who've been following along, I you know that so far in the first eight episodes, which was in season one, I've touched on some of the initial aspects of oneness as it pertains to the info you'll find when you read the book. But for the episodes in, in season one, um, you know, I specifically wanted to stay with the basics. That was more of a oneness 101, if you may. But as I kicked off season number two last month, I knew I had to address like, more of the delicate and personal aspects of oneness. Because it's time to get a little down and dirty, as they say. And uh, maybe raise some eyebrows. So that's why season two kicked off with with episode number nine, which was called Let's Address the Blasphemous Elephant in the Room. And I thank those that chimed in after that to share their comments. So to keep this delicate trend going, um, here I'm approaching episode number 10, and I'm calling it, again, Religion, Spirituality, Where Does Oneness Fit In? So, it's a great question, right? Well... Let's start off by saying that oneness fits in wherever it feels right with you. Now, you can by all means place it in either the religion or the spirituality camps as an accessory or feel free to create your own genre of existence and just add oneness as a component. It's totally your call. And that's because oneness is is more of a concept than an entity. It's an understanding of our inherent truth and the foundation that we emanate from. So, let me share where I place oneness within my own life, and how it got there. I was raised the Catholic. I was baptized. I made my first Holy Communion. I followed. I followed that up with making my Confirmation. Now. Many of you, I'm sure, can relate to a relatively standard Catholic upbringing. I attended catechism on Saturdays and church with my parents on most Sundays. My mom would get us involved during the Lenten season by making us abstain from meat on Fridays. Not that it was any kind of major thing to give up, you know, but but as kids, we got the point that we had to give up something during Lent. So, as I ventured further into my teen years and through my 20s, I started leaning away from the Catholic Church and and what it stood for. And I guess guess it kind of correlated to when I started to really think on my own. Um, Most young adults come to a point in their lives when they start to question the rules they were subjected to as children. Now, I know I did. And as I started delving more into self-help and spirituality books from the likes of, of Deepak Chopra, Neil Donald Walsh, James Redfield, and of course, Dr. Wayne Dyer, I'm not surprised that I started to uncover my own spirituality at that same time. Now, what really struck me as odd at that time was how the newfound spirituality I was discovering wasn't fitting in with what I was taught and had learned about via the Catholic religion. And I was at a point in my life where I asked myself, well, why? Why is it not fitting in? Well, I mean, here on one hand, I had the Catholic Church, a religion and teachings that had been in place for millennia. One would think that they got this stuff down, right? Right. So why was I questioning all that I had learned and been taught throughout my life to that point? And the answer I came up with was that it just didn't feel right anymore. Now, One of the first important bits of information I took to heart from my early spiritual readings was to trust my intuition. I learned early on that when we speak to God... It's called prayer. And when your God responds back, that is called intuition. That's those nudges, as I like to call them, that we feel in our gut. They usually don't go away. They are very persistent, to say the least, but they are there for a reason. Again, because that is your God or your higher self or what I refer to in my book As the acronym STEVLS That's S-T-E-V-L-S That stands for spirit, thought, energy, vibration, love, and soul That's that speaking to you through earthly feelings That's what intuition is And I know that a lot of people cast them aside Not me, folks It was those intuitive feelings In my late teens and early 20s That led me to question and debate what religion had taught me. Now, I remember the most monumental debate I had with myself during that time was, to me, a very simple and honest one. And it was that, how could religious teachers go ahead and tell us that the Bible says we are all here of our own free will, but yet there are these ten commandments that we must abide by. I was like, uh, isn't that like a tad hypocritical? So you're saying I have free will, but only if I follow some specific will? Mm, I really didn't get that. And from there, it became somewhat of a snowball effect. Here's another example. I I was always one for a good hamburger, you know, medium rare, juicy. You get the picture. But for six weeks or so throughout every year, I couldn't eat one on a Friday. And I was like, what? That one drove me nuts. Okay, so what you're saying is that my God will somehow get upset if I eat a hamburger on a Friday. Mind you, Tuesdays are fine, just not on Friday. Now, I know that really gets back to the abstaining issue, but you get my point. And also... Why in the world would we need to abstain from anything nowadays? Life is hard enough. Okay, and you'll find out a lot more about that in the book, too. So as I grew more into my own spirituality, I really became upset with the whole God-fearing aspect of religion, the punishments, the potential banishment to some place called hell, or the denial of, Into heaven Again my thought was always Hey free will dude Why are you judging me Which always makes me think of Of the George Carlin skit where He goes on and he's ranting about God as an old man in the sky With a long white beard And he goes on and on about how you must Obey his laws because if you don't You'll go to hell and you can't do this And you can't do that But he loves you (laughs) That That one always cracks me up because George Carlin was just an amazing uh, comedian, an amazing individual who really spoke from his heart. you got to give him that. Um, Something else about, about specifically the Catholic religion that got me to wonder when I first realized it was, why is it that so many images and statues of Christ portray his crucifixion? I mean especially when you're teaching people, is that the lasting image you really want to convey? That of a beautiful man of peace hung by nails on a cross, bleeding from thorns, piercing his head, and a wound in his side? These images focus on the suffering that Christ endured, and in my eyes, just promotes more worldly suffering, It dwells on the false idea that God is equated with suffering. And let's please note that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's from John chapter 11, verse 25. He didn't say, I am the crucifixion. He said, I am the resurrection. So if you ask me, I think any and all images of Jesus should only reflect a resurrection filled with love and light and one that transcended earthly suffering. This, in turn, would encourage all of us to love each other rather than remembering him as a tortured soul. And while I'm discussing Jesus, I'm sure by now you're intrigued enough to wonder what my stance is on him Especially since you probably can surmise by now that I've pretty much denounced the Catholic Church in general. Um, Well, it's simple. I believe Jesus was all that we've learned He was. I believe He walked this earth just like me and you. I believe He was a messenger like Buddha, like Mother Teresa, like the Dalai Lama, and like Wayne Dyer. I totally believe in all of His miracles. That he exhibited and that is because He knew how to raise His energy and specifically his Vibrations and because Of his extraordinary capabilities To raise his vibrational levels I also believe that he did in fact Rise from the dead I know That Jesus is in me I know that I breathe the same air He did over 2000 years ago And because he is in me I know that I am capable of Everything that he did and more In fact Jesus did say Is it not written in your law I have said you are gods That is from John chapter 10 verse 34 So To your question I so very much believe in Jesus And I know that he walks beside me And within me at all times So back to my point It was about that same early time in my life when I first started to hear and read about oneness and what that truly meant as a total inclusion with one and all and everything. And that made me question the aspects of religion even more. To me, it became really obvious. I had to figure out what made the most sense to me. And I will ask the same of you What resonates with your inner being What makes sense to you Whatever that is That is what you need to pay homage to You'll find your ways to add oneness Just like I did To me It became evident that oneness Truly does mean inclusion with one and all And that included my God If I am one with everything And God is part of everything Then I am one with God And because I understood that I am one with God, I then understood that there is nothing I can do that is considered wrong. Because right and wrong imply a judgment. I learned that I cannot sin because there is no such thing as sin. Again, that would imply a judgment. Now, once I understood that, I immediately felt lighter and freer. Unafraid of any impending judgments because there will be none. I Know in my heart of hearts that when I cross over to the other side, I will not be judged And when I came to realize that it Immediately relieved some of the pressure I felt as a child while following the Catholic religion My purpose here on earth is simple I choose to experience the grandest version of the greatest vision I ever had about who I am. Now, some might recognize that statement. You See? God said that to Neil Donald Walsh in Conversations with God, book three. If you haven't read that trilogy, I highly advise it. They really are magnificent books, and they truly help in understanding that God is in you and one with you. So please, let me state again. My thoughts... On oneness and the reason behind my book is not to get you to change any religious beliefs I just want you to understand our connectedness And that connectedness does include your higher source your god what I call stevels and so you know The reason why I keep adding that that stevels acronym is is that it truly doesn't matter what you call your God or your higher source. You can call it bookcase for all that matters. And to explain why, I like to revert back to a phrase made popular by Soren Kierkegaard, who said, once you label me, you negate me. Now that ties in well with oneness to me. Think about that in these terms. If what we're saying in oneness Is that we're all one, me, you, God, everything? Then why would we need names? It's also similar to the reference by Lao Tzu in the Tao Te Ching that states, "The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao." Yeah, I know it's a tad much from a you know from a philosophical standpoint, but you get the point. So now, what about praying? I've always wanted to express my feelings about prayer, especially as they apply in the context of oneness. Now, most people understand that oneness means a connection to your higher self. But when it comes to praying, they still believe they are praying to an entity outside of themselves. Well, why? Because they still have an issue with the fact that they and their God are one. So, in their hearts, when they pray, they are praying to someone or something else. Now, folks, if that makes you happy, that that's fine. Go right ahead. But the truth is that we are one with our God, again, or higher self. So when we pray, all we are doing is affirming our connection to that higher source. And along those lines, there's never need a need to pray for one specific thing or another, because that's from the old school of thinking that God is judgmental and rewards some people and not others. So, as you now see, there's a significant difference between what I'm referring to via oneness and what many other ministries preach. As you know, most ministries relate to God as a separate entity. As someone you pray to about things you pray for. This outdated thought process will always keep us believing in the we are not worthy fairy tales of our ancestors. Oneness teaches that you and your God are one and the same. When you pray at night, folks, you're basically praying to yourself. That's why it's important just to know that you're reaffirming that connection. That's all we're doing. And therein lies our biggest disappointment on this journey as spiritual beings having a human experience. We still feel that we are not worthy and that we need to pray to a God. What a pity in my eyes. When you pray, again, you are reaffirming your connection to your source or your higher divinity. As I've... As I've repeated already here just in this podcast, and I do many times in my book, we are thought, or again, what I like to call is that Stevel's acronym. Our objective is to align our thoughts and energies with their divine intentions. When we pray at night, we shouldn't be saying to ourselves, Dear God, please make mom healthy again. Because first, your God has absolutely nothing to do with your mom being sick. This is your mother's journey. God doesn't judge, heal, bless, repair, or fix anything for anyone. If you believe so, I am sorry. You can go back and revisit the definition of free will. When you pray, what you want is to align your energies of love and health with that of your mother. You want to visualize her when she was healthy and emit that energy out into the world with the knowing that your mother's energy will receive it. How many times do we have to hear, the power of God is within? It doesn't say the power of God is outside of you. It is within. The bottom line is that when you're praying to your God and requesting favors, all that you're doing is addressing your need or lack of whatever. The universe does not know lack. It only knows abundance. An example of that is when you're praying at night Something along the lines of, dear God, I need money. The universe responds with, yes, you do. And that is because the energy you're putting out there is based on your alleged need. You're expressing a lack to the universe. And the universe doesn't understand that. The way around that would be to declare to the universe what you are during your prayers. For example, in this instance, you could state... I am abundance. In this case, you're reaffirming your connection to your higher source, which only knows abundance, and in turn, you keep that energy flowing to and through you. That is why the words I am should now have a whole new meaning for you. Face it, my friends. We have spent millennia bowing down to the fear-based religions and dogma that have led us to believe that we are not one with God. It is that fear that made us feel not worthy. And, may I add, keeps us going back every Sunday to keep putting money into that tilly now, doesn't it? Hmm. Makes a little more sense now. Hey, I will never tell people that there is a right and a wrong way to pray. That's judgmental. Now, the quote that I emphasize the most in my musical, The Phone Call, which is a musical to inspire oneness, is life just is. There is no right or wrong way to live your life. If you truly believe that praying to your God for specific outcomes is beneficial, then go nuts. Go for it. Just know that if prayers are based on a foundation of lack or need, then your higher source will respond with the same thing, lack and need. Your God is one with you. You are God. And if you think that is a blasphemous statement, that is because you were told to believe that by a fear-based religion, most likely when you were a child. You see, I don't know of too many religions that adapt or change with the times. I would find that refreshing, to say the least. Even if they pray to a God they perceive to be outside of themselves. I mean, why not? You know, hey, maybe add some hashtags to your prayers. And the reason why they don't change is that the dogma that they've used for centuries still works for them in the sense that it keeps the congregation coming back, coming back. It will always be the we are not worthy. But guess what, folks? We are. So, there's my input regarding prayer. But getting back to where oneness fits in with religion and/or spirituality, you just must make the thought and the idea that is oneness work with your life in ways that you see fit. I'll always say that oneness to me represents more of a spirituality than a religion because I equate spirituality with you personally. It is how and what we practice internally. Whereas religion is something you you are taught and doesn't necessarily reflect who you are. And with that said, I feel that you don't need to change any religious beliefs, just maybe accessorize with oneness. Because to totally get the picture, you need to know that we are all one. You need to tear down any walls you might have created that give you an illusion of separateness because that is all that it is. It's an illusion. Here's another quick point. Think about what you may have learned in history classes. If you go back in time, we can find eras when people lived more in village-like settings, right? Where society of the times had more of a all-for-one-and-one-for-all mentality, remember? Let me ask you, what happened to those times? When did we abandon those times and why? Well, if you're not sure, because I don't know how sure I am either, but I can tell you what the catalyst was. The catalyst that slowly, over time, led us out of those simpler and more peaceful times was ego. Yep. That's really all it was. Our biggest nemesis. It was the ego of individuals. Well, hold that thought for let's for one second. Let's really be honest here. It was man's ego that led him to believe that he was better and that his way was the right way. That his was bigger. There's a huge pun intended with that last one. Sorry, but the egos of certain men led them to say, "You should come with me." My way is the best way. My religion is the right religion. My land is the most fertile. My army is the strongest. You get the picture. And that's when the walls of separation were put in place. And to think that here in 2019, we're still hearing talk about more walls going up. Oh yeah, I went there. Talk about ego. Well, I always loved Wayne Dyer's Definition of ego, he said it stands for edge God out. E G O, edge God out. Now, how cool and true is that? And along those lines, it ties back to another ego based quote from Wayne Dyer that I also reference in my book when he says, In your life, you have two options. You can either be a host to God. Or a hostage to your ego. I so love that one. It is so true my friends. Our, loves, our lives come down. To such simple choices. And that is one of them. But choose we must. So. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. I'm calling that oneness guy. This has been episode number 10. Religion. Spirituality. Where does oneness fit in? If you like what you've been listening to, please take a moment to subscribe to this feed either on my website, com, at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or at my podcast website, which is courtesy of Buzzsprout, and that's at Buzzsprout.com. And just search for that oneness guy. And know that as an extra bonus, this podcast has now been added to your smart home devices, so all you need to say is, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play that oneness guy. And you can listen anywhere in your homes. And please follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. See, there's, there's Siri helping me out right now as we speak. Thank you, Siri. Again, please follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook so you can stay in touch with all things oneness. And especially my book, I Am God. And so are you, my friend, A Common Man's Guide to Oneness, which, as I mentioned earlier, is now available everywhere. And please check out the website for my book, which can be found out, IamGodBook.com. Again, IamGodBook.com. It's a really cool interactive site with photos, videos, a blog that you can be part of, too. So just add your email and you can join in on the conversation with me. I've been posting a few blogs a week, so there's plenty of new stuff there to check it out. Um, So, again, my name is Danny Rongo. Um, Please take a look for my next show, most likely next month. And until then, I send you, as always, peace, love, light, and continued oneness. Namaste. Give a shit, nobody's fool Spread the news